Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, weary traveler. Need a short rest? Oh, I see. They said you'd be showing up about now. Come on, through the portal. Best not keep the Lord Mistress and Lord Master waiting. You know how they get. Robots Radio presents The Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons. Anyone who seeks to protect the innocent and battle evil can draw on the power of the silver flame to aid them but they must be beware of the shadow in the flame, the demon that still lingers and yearns to trick good people into evil. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio and I am joined by a very special guest and I will allow themselves to uh, to do their own introduction. Hi, uh, my name is Will, also known as This FNGM. For anybody who's seen any video I've ever done, I just did the thumbs up. Nobody can see that on a podcast. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, you can hear it in your voice. Like, as soon as as soon as you people hear your introduction, like, I bet he's doing a double thumbs up. <laughs> I, I do have a, uh, a notorious case of that voice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, This FNGM. Um, I came across your uh, Twitter account uh, a little while ago, and it's uh, very uh, it's it can be difficult to find uh, good people in within this space within the TTRGB RPG space, uh, and when you do find them, uh, you gotta you gotta hang on to them. And so yeah, I, I started following you, started uh, uh, commenting on on uh, you recently really got into Planescape. <laughs> <laughs> which is a lot of fun uh commenting on some of those posts and yeah i asked you to i uh, asked you to if you wanted to be on and uh you were so kind to oblige and I, and I greatly appreciate the opportunity thank you so much for having me on here uh and and i too love finding good people so the moment you find a good person you let me know because i i need somebody to look up to right uh, absolutely i mean we uh we have a great community here at the Lorecast, we got the we got the Discord. We have links to that in all the show notes. We'll we'll, we'll plug it in the middle of the show as well. But um, yeah, we're we're all about uh, loving the game and and 
and you know being as inclusive as possible absolutely 100 if we can't all play what's the point in playing no yeah exactly so I asked you if you wanted to be on the show and you said, yeah, sure, I guess. And I said, well, what would you want to talk about? And you said, well, I, I love Planescape as well. And, uh, and I love Eberron. And I said, well, we haven't, uh, we haven't discussed a whole lot of Eberron. So why don't we do that? So this week we are going to discuss the church of the silver flame. And this is, uh, this is some, this can be some heavy, heavy stuff. This is, uh, this is, as uh, as those in the lore business say, this is uh, top notch, grade A quality lore right here. Oh, I I I love it. Been a huge fan of Eberron ever since uh, it first came out back in the uh, three point five era. I remember getting the Dragon magazines and seeing the advertisements for it, and just huge, huge, huge eyes as a teenager. And and I've loved the setting ever since. So, I mean, yeah, and, and it's. And you know Keith Baker is so cool, and he, he essentially lived out a D and D nerd's dream of creating a campaign setting, and then it becoming an official campaign setting within the you know within D and D. So, uh, shouts out to him. Oh yeah, a uh, fun fact: uh, my wife just found this out. Um, uh, he also created the card game Gloom, uh, which I think is a delightfully fun game. If you've ever if you've never had the chance to play it, you should absolutely try it. Oh yeah, I got to put that on my to do list for sure. Oh, nice. And my uh, my already limited time becomes that much more limited. <laughs> the life of a gamer. Oh, yeah, exactly. So Church of the Silver Flame. The priests and paladin of the Silver Flame have battled the forces of darkness for hundreds of years. And it's a relatively young, structured religion the Church of the Silver Flame has found staunch support, however, across Cover, which is the the continent of that you know, Eberron, you know, essentially takes place on, especially in the nation of Thrain. Now, this lawful good organization is based in the city of Flamekeep, currently under the leadership of Jayla Duran, who is the keeper of the flame, and members of the church carry a silver arrowhead engraved with a stylized flame. Uh, so I, I, I was gonna say I, I, I'm always on the lookout for really cool, um, like gift ideas to give, uh, just either you know for for holidays for you know gift giving holidays or to my players at the end of a campaign, and you know somebody who whose character is a member of the Church of the Silver Flame, getting them a like replica arrowhead with with you know with the engraving on it would be absolutely top notch would be such a good idea oh absolutely i um i don't know if you ever got a chance to take a look at now i'm jumping off of Ebron for half a second uh beetles and grim released this uh this box set for dragonlance shadow mm -hmm. of the um shadow of the dragon queen and yep. in it they had little holy symbols for uh both Tachesis um and uh and and bahamut i believe it was i i, nice. I think i remember this correct and i really wish the Eberron camp, the Eberron box would have come with the silver flame and maybe the blood of Vol. I would have absolutely been wearing that around, uh, you know, <laughs> to actual places outside of nerddom. Um, <laughs> I mean, it looks cool enough that, you know, you probably get away with it with, you know, with someone like, hey, that's kind of cool. And then you tell them like, oh, it's like a D&D &D thing. They're like, oh, wow, we're we're dealing with a super nerd here. I guess you are. <laughs> I know that I, I say this because I would do the exact same thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. Get that, get that, get that tattoo forehead. 
or like right. forehead tattoo, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so speaking of Jayla Duran, she was appointed to this supreme leadership position of the church at age six. At this point in the timeline, she's now a tween, I'd say between 11 and 12 years old. And she continues to astand, uh, astound those who encounter her due to her poise and her wisdom beyond her years, as well as displaying the blend of courage and compassion that is the cornerstone of her faith. However, there are whispers that Jayla is merely a figurehead for High Cardinal Crozen, and those whispers also accompany even more whispers who claim Crozen was responsible for the death of the previous Keeper of the Flame. So, a lot of... Uh, a lot of cloak and dagger here. I love um, Jayla Duran. It's uh, probably my, like the first that really drew me to to uh, to the Church of the Silver Flame and and kind of falling in love with it as a religious organization was the fact that they have this little girl as the head of their church. I remember uh, seeing some pictures for it. I think they. Oh, I don't think they really did art for for her until a little bit later. But it's just kind of kind of interesting to see that a you know usually have these faiths where it's like, uh, you know, they've been spoken to by their deity and it's some, you know, old guy. And right. in this particular case, it's like, no, this is just a young girl. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Like a, it's like some second grader. Yeah. Uh, no, she I don't know if she have... runs the religion. Yeah. My daughter right now is like, uh, is like 12 years old. And to imagine my kid running an entire, uh, entire church and nearly a nation is, uh, is, well, maybe my kid shouldn't do it. So probably it's good yeah. that it's Shayla Duran. Yes, it's, yeah, I'd say um, unless there's this nation is devoted to playing Roblox, and uh, then maybe my kid would do great. But otherwise, <laughs> yeah, no, my kid's uh, definitely on that Roblox train. Um, okay, so fourth edition, by the way, uh, I don't know if you've ever taken like the fourth edition Eberron book before, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, but they finally gave us that picture of um, High Cardinal Crozan. I don't know if you remember that art, but it kind of shows him sitting in a throne with his uh his chin um, on his fist. And it's clear this guy is the most evil person in all of Eberron, apparently. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, it's just the way he's drawn is like, okay, like you, like he's meant to be evil. Oh, absolutely. Well, and that was, uh, that was kind of a big thing back in the, back in original Eberron, you know, 3.5 era Eberron was, you know, back during that time period, clerics were, had to be a, like within one step of their deity's alignment. Right. And, Eberron sort of threw those rules away and said, look, you can be whatever alignment you want. You just got to follow the ideas of the church. So Crozen, at least during that era, sort of represented the the evil side of being a part of a fanatical religious organization, right? Right. Yeah, I think I think fourth edition, they sort of uh, switched over a little bit to making him um, a little bit more supernaturally evil, but we can we can talk about that here in a little bit, uh, taking a look at the notes here. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're definitely going to discuss that for sure. Uh, oh, so the Church of the Silver Flame, like I said, is relatively young. It was born in the year uh, 299 YK, but the flame itself is far older. Historical and sacred writings agree at least on that much. And YK, meaning Year of the Kingdom, uh, which on the timeline indicates when the kingdom of Galifar was founded. So, I uh, know we've got uh, DR and Forgotten Realms, uh, we've got AC and Dragonlance, and Eberron, we've got YK to delineate the timeline. Uh, so 299 YK is just when Paladin 
I say just like, you know, like it's just, that's just when it happened. But as far as when the uh, the official church begins, it's 299 YK. And that's when Paladin, Tira Mirren, and Aquadal merged with a silvery pillar of fire to stop a demon from escaping Kyber. Mm-hmm. Now, where they cannot seem to reach any accord, these sacred writings uh, is on the birth or the nature of the flame. You know, most scholars attribute the source of the flame to the end of the Kuatl demon lord struggle, roughly 100,000 years before the founding of the kingdom of Galifar, uh, which was at the age of, the end of the age of demons. And at this point, this is when the Kuatls sacrificed themselves almost to the very last one to banish the native fiends and their terrible overlords to the underworld of Kyber, where they remain trapped to this day. According to this theory, the souls of the Kowatls merge together into a force of great purity and light, the power with which the paladin Tiramiran would eventually bond. But we'll get more on that in just a bit. Uh, more, uh, most other religious religions' followers, however, uh, they're known as the purified, have a different interpretation. And this is what it gets, this to me, this is what it gets really interesting. They believe that the Kuatl souls did not form the flame, but rather opened the way for it. Something that the, so the flame always existed. The Kuatl sacrifice was merely a conduit to achieve, to reach it. Yeah, I always kind of uh, kind of saw it as uh, when when I when I read about it, I always kind of assumed that the the in many ways the silver flame is kind of like the force, right? Right. Wars. Yeah. Yeah, and the and the Kuatl were just uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, the Kuatl were just using the power just like it just like um you know any celestial at that time would have and then once they uh you know there's their sacrifice not only yeah lost the demon you know locked the overlords down below but also opened it up for for mortals yeah to be able to have that exactly well exactly what you just said <laughs> but <laughs> no and, and which i think is kind of neat you know the uh um the kind of kind of that giving well giving fire to mankind right yep. but rather than that being a problem that instead was a great sacrifice that they made so no punishments for them in the afterlife i was that greek mythology uh yeah that's uh it's prometheus yeah prometheus yes 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 and uh yeah yeah kind of a prometheus story but you know it's it's winged rainbow snakes instead <laughs> i mean <laughs> in some in some regards very much cooler oh yeah i i i'd, I'd agree <laughs> so this supreme act of selfless good caused the quadrals to bond with the force mortals view as the silver flame and allowed it to access to the allowed uh, it access to the world of Eberron from a heavenly realm, a transcendental dimension beyond any known plane. And once that door was opened, it could not again be closed. So again, that's kind so- of like your your point going back to Prometheus giving fire to man. You know, that's something that um, you know once it was once fire was once that gift was given, it couldn't be undone. I, I'm just imagining a bunch of like archons standing there and uh and the Eberron version of heaven just sort of staring down, watching a bunch of mortals, you know, running around a silver flame going, uh oh. <laughs> like, oh, what have we done? What have we done? Oh no. Oh, oh no. Beans. And this uh this is to me where it gets really, really interesting. So another dispute exists over the nature and influence of the silver flame. Uh, there are there's a more rigid sect of the purified. They're mostly uh, followers known as Puritans. 
and they claim that the ancient texts are mistaken about one fact. The demon was merely bound by the paladin and serpent. It was, did not merge with them. They claim that the flame itself and thus the voice of the flame is unburdened by any darkness. It is merely beholden to its prison to keep the evil contained. Now, that's really interesting that there's this, and I would say that it's uh, it's a, it's obviously a smaller sect of the religion, but uh, so a majority of the religion believes that there is some facet of darkness to this light. And we we will talk about it later. In fact, like the 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 shadow of the flame is what they call it. And to me, that is the most interesting part about all of this. Oh, one hundred percent. And it's it almost it, like so. I read this right, and I and I and I read about it, and I almost wonder, you know, we kind of if if the if the Puritans stepped forward and said, uh, you know, like you know, said there is no, uh, there was no merging. It was merely a a prison, and everyone else was like, this that's kind of semantics. I mean, we we said merge, but you know, we we clearly meant. This, but then as time has gone on, you know, you look at the, that difference in language. And I think, in my opinion, that's kind of where we get um, the current standings of the church, the silver flame, you know, what began as a small, may have began just as a small semantic issue that one side took very seriously is something that we now, I, I you know, I'm going to use quotations here, we now know uh, is, in fact, a major part of this religion. No, yeah, I mean, I, it's, I, uh, I, I, it's, it's uh, the same idea that, you know, in, uh, in, hundreds of years because the way that language changes and the way that uh, language loses its meaning and, and, and nuance loses its meaning uh, in hundreds of years, people won't be able to tell the difference between, you know, what we know as a butt dial and what we know as a booty call, <laughs> like two very different things, but in hundreds of years, you know, they could have ended up meaning the same thing. <laughs> I... <laughs> I've never heard that comparison, but that is probably the the greatest thing I've heard today. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, so the majority of the priesthood refuses to disclaim ancient writings that speak of the binding of the demon, serpent, and paladin together forever. So like I said, it's the majority of the religion uh, continues to believe that they're that they are merged somehow. They acknowledge the evil at the heart of the flame but reject any notion that darkness can influence the flame's essential goodness. So they 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 say that there there is a bit of darkness within the silver flame. However, you know, there's, I mean, they, there's no way it can corrupt the absolute goodness of it. I mean, it's there, but who cares? Like whatever. It, it is uh, with without uh, without any fault or sin, right? Um, right. You, it's and I kind of like that because you know you have you have the one side um uh, again you have the one side over here the 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 regular uh, church of silver flame people who you know maybe they see that as an allegory for just you know what lies in our our very own hearts right you know it's like hey we all strive to be good but we we can we can stumble every now and then but that's okay even the flame itself has flaws whereas the Puritans are like no absolutely not if we are striving for perfect goodness what we strive for cannot be flawed right you know, exactly. That's, that's, I feel like that's how wars get started with religions. I don't know. I I, I don't know very much about I that. I mean, there it... there there is a lot of um, like inspiration and influence from reality <laughs> in in this in, in no. the Church of the Silver Flame. No, can't uh, be. No, can't... with those with those great Gothic cathedrals that they show whenever <laughs> they show off the Silver Flame in pictures. No, impossible. Keep keep reality out of gaming, please. Come on. 
<laughs> so, uh, I, I would say I, I was raised Catholic. So, uh, so of course the church of the silver flame speaks to me because I'm sitting here like, Oh, I know all of these things, but I don't feel any guilt reading this. This yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. Same, same as like, you know, doing the, the research for this. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is, I know exactly what they were going for with this. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, really, we just enjoy this because hey, it's let's take Catholicism, but let's get let's let's get teenage Pope and uh, and and some sweet and magic flame usage. And, yeah, yeah, and, and magic awesome. and coaddles. <laughs> so the the priesthood also consider heretical the notion of some scholars that that faint impurity within the flame made it possible for mortals to communicate with it, that the divine had to be lowered at least one tiny step closer to mortals and the physical world before any such congress was possible so let's let's get back to the whole paladin coadal merging with a demon to stop a demon thing maybe possibly <laughs> depending on what what religious text you want to and how you want to interpret it to so, stop them we must become one no it's all like right that. <laughs> so every thane uh child knows the story of tira Miran, and how centuries ago, one of those ancient, powerful demons chained within the world broke free from its bonds, unleashing terrible suffering on the people of Thane. The nation would have been destroyed if not for the paladin who was called upon by the silver flame to battle the mighty fiend. I, However, when... We're talking about... Oh, sorry. I, I, I'm no, sorry ahead. I interrupted you. I say, yeah, when we're talking about Belshalor, by the way, uh, one of my favorite overlords, the uh, the overlord of um of corruption and shadows, right? So, of course, you know, light versus darkness, very, right. very clear allegories there. But uh, what a coincidence. <laughs> right, exactly. And so when it became clear that this overlord couldn't be destroyed, Tira gave her life, combining her spirit with the light of the silver flame to bind the demon once more. And even though the lawful good deity force power whatever whatever you want to call the silver flame you know what we do know is that it is it is an abstract disembodied power and tira now acts as the voice of the silver flame serving as an intermediary between the common species and the divine those on the material plane and those on the celestial planes helping others to find the light yeah, and I I I love that uh, that image, right? You know, with with um, you know, you have these ancient overlords, you know, ha kind of hanging out in Kyber, having been locked there so long ago by again winged rainbow snakes, and uh, and then just you know erupting from the ground. I think I I'm trying to remember where the image of that was. There was an image somewhere. It might have been one of the newer Eberron books by Keith Baker and the DMs Guild, uh, mm -hmm. like showing uh, Belshalor like escaping his prison and and the armies going to fight it. It's just such an evocative image in my mind. I mean, it, it it goes to the you know some of the like the basic tenets of you know just basic mythology. You know, there is good and there's evil. Uh, good will conquer evil. Evil will somehow evade that imprisonment that they were put in to rise again. And good has to again banish it to you know wherever it needs to be banished to. Classic story, like Romeo, Romeo and Juliet, although not as many people are sad when one of them goes down. <laughs> so <laughs> over the centuries, the Church of the Silver Flame has spread across Covert as its followers are engaged in this never-ending struggle against the forces of evil. However, in the wake of the last war, 
its place of origin, Thrain, stands as a theocracy devoted to the silver flame. They have fought demons. They have hunted lycanthropes almost to extinction. And we'll, we'll yeah. get to that in the second half of the show. Uh, and battled all manner of monsters. There is corruption within the ranks, however, and that continues to be the organization's most relentless foe from within. It's not the the monsters that are outside the doors, but you know, it's it's the monsters that are coming from within. You know, the calls coming from inside the house. Well, you, you know, if there's one thing that my adult life has taught me that could um, is that there's there's the force that could turn us all into you know, raging evil lunatics is bureaucracy. If I if Absolutely. I have to like stand in line at the DMV one more time, I likely too would become corrupted and you know start <laughs> throwing my fire around in the in the most wrong ways because those it, it's just it's just a lot. I have a I have a really good friend who um like having to um like log in to whatever you know to an account on his TV. That's like that's his breaking point. He's like, yo, like no, I just I'm not gonna watch whatever it is he wanted to watch or whatever it is he wanted to play or whatever it is he wanted to do. But he had to log in. He was just like, I just won't do it. I'm like, just... oh, oh, that that's that's me. I was feeling the corrupting <laughs> influence of uh of Belshalor as I was as I as Zoom would not let me into this call, <laughs> and I was just just the rage was welling inside of me. I, I... <laughs> you uh yeah, you would be a very good Puritan of the in the Church of the Silver Flame. I tell myself that every day I look in the mirror. <laughs> Just uh, put some aftershave on. Like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna kill some uh, werewolves. We're going to deny the 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 evil in the silver flame. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do, have a good day. And if one person tells me that flame is flawed, well, they're I gonna face swear, the wrath I swear to a cool audible. <laughs> uh, so the keeper of the flame sits on the spiritual and temporal thrones of the church and nation. And then the next level in church hierarchy is the Council of Cardinals, who oversees the operations of both church and state. The Order's Cardinal sits on the Council of Cardinals, kind of like the um, the head cardinal. And his Templars protect the, the nation, the churches, and also different religious holdings throughout Corvair. Uh, church ministers provide spiritual guidance to the faithful, you know, both in-country and abroad battling evil by nurturing good, while the church Templars consist of warriors, paladins, clerics, and exorcists, and they are trained to meet evil head-on with a sword, a mace, and a spell. So you've got, you know, the standard sort of uh, priests you know, um, that you would think of, ministers who are there to, uh, to battle evil with um, by, by doing good, by being kind. And then you've got the... Uh, sort of um, religious figures that we're most used to, that uh, the the clerics and the warriors and the paladins that will battle evil with a mace, with a with a broadsword. And I, I, I mean, who doesn't love a, a good haughty paladin? I, I I'll, I'm I'm not just imagining an entire army of Orlando Bloom from the movie Kingdom of Heaven. You know, yep. just uh, just just running down the battlefield, wreath and uh, wreath and uh, silver flame there. I, I think it's interesting, by the way, uh, one one word that kind of stuck out to me because I, I had almost forgotten about this exorcisms. So back in back in the uh, when when Eberron was was first conceived, uh, a lot of creatures had, you know, like had access to, like magic jar or spells that would allow them to like completely take control of somebody, not just for, you know, concentration duration as fifth edition has, but really like more permanent effects. So 
the Church of the Silver Flame within Eberron, the campaign setting book, also came with the Exorcism Domain, which was all about dealing with that very specific monster. I kind of feel like that's something that's been lost uh, throughout 4th and 5th edition, but it, I, I, it just seeing this on this page here i'm like oh yeah i forgot yeah they are they are totally the you know the power of the flame compels you that that's that's <laughs> these guys <laughs> and it's them that is absolutely them yeah so you've oh, got that's... uh warriors that are devoted to the silver flame uh they often use a deity's favorite weapon which is the longbow uh, and archery in general is an important tradition within the church which uh mm-hmm. which i like that was something that i like again like you, you mentioned you know getting away from stuff from that was um pretty standard in 3.5 uh the the deity's favorite weapon i always always loved that that um if you didn't know what weapon your character had like well who does he worship and what's their favorite weapon all right well then that's probably what you should carry yeah yeah well and especially at that time you know if, if there was a lawful good entity you know their favorite weapon was going to be a long sword. There's no question about it. it. It's the weapon of good, right? And then here comes the Church of the Silver Flame. Like, y'all like bows? I'm like, yeah, I like bows. Absolutely, I do. You like Robin Hood? You guys like yeah. Robin Hood? <laughs> uh, the, the Third the, Order the... within the Silver Flame, the Friars uh, provide missionaries for the church. Friars devoted to the Silver Flame spread the faith beyond, reigns borders with zeal. And while not a separate order... There is a smaller portion of the faithful that believes in the pure flame. Now, these are the Puritans that were mentioning earlier. These are fervent. I love how it's they call it. They're fervent flamers called <laughs> Puritans. Uh, they interpret every utterance of the voice of the flame literally. Uh, in the past, Puritans helped initiate the Inquisition against lycanthropes and inspired crusades of all types leading up to today. And they remain a vocal, if not you know, minority group within the church. So these are definitely your, um, you know, take your pick, the, the fundamentalists of any religion, the ones yeah. that are very much traditionalist, the ones that are very much, um, you know, wanting that take the sacred text of their religion very literally. There's there's no rewriting this and updating no, it yeah. for modern audiences. There's only one audience. It's all of mankind and this book was written you know and 299 yk exactly exactly yep. so the it actually oh, sorry oh go ahead oh no it's good to mention uh yeah you were talking about flame and spell but or like spells um and the ways that they they fought and one of my favorite uh portions of the church of the silver flame was their spell casters their uh, arcane spell casters they actually had their own little order called the silver pyromancers which is kind of this like hybrid like wizard slash cleric of you know you get to be one part evoker so you know you get the delightful joys of throwing down fireball but then you got to inject a little bit of radiance in there too so yeah you could you could make it feel uh feel good <laughs> you know it's the, the holy thing to do is to hurl fireballs <laughs> into rooms with the rest of your party members in it that's the yeah it's the holy thing to do it's a good thing to do it's proper it's, it's the right thing to do <laughs> so the church of the silver flame they seek to purify the world it wages war against supernatural evil uh, members of the church templars roam the land fighting fiends undead other magical beasts they also seek to fight corruption greed and other human evils and through these acts of faith, kept uh, the last war raging on. So on the surface, it doesn't seem like the Church of the Silver Flame sounds great. Like, oh, you guys are fighting uh, demons and devils and, and undead and, and you know, and in terms of 
you know, the human evils, you're fighting corruption and greed. Sounds great. Sounds absolutely great. And in fact, the average faithful is not expected to fight zombies and ghouls, but he is expected to live a noble life and encourage others to do the same. The church teaches that those who purify their spirits in this life join with the silver flame after death, strengthening the fires that bind the forces of evil within Kyber. Now, this is the the flip side of that. Sadly, church clergy and members don't always live up to the noble standards embodied by the silver flame. Which, again, you know, it's uh, an ideal. It's a, you know, a progress, not perfection sort of thing. Well, you know, you can't have uh, you can't have the Jedi without the Sith, right? Right. Yeah, I mean that'd be a very boring story if Darth Vader was just like, you know what, Luke, you're right, absolutely. Let's uh, let's walk off this Death Star and get an ice cream or something in that first movie. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. I, I I am your father, and you know I you are a Jedi like me. Let's uh, you know let's do this. Uh, and again, like it's you know some might say like, oh, this is you know this is all cliche and and trite. This is like you said, classic storytelling. This is classic myth making. You know, and oh. and the 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 window dressing is what makes it interesting. You know, the the moves themselves we know, but you know, what are you gonna do in the space between? And that's what that's where Eberron succeeds. I I yeah I agree a hundred percent. Actually, we were t- I was talking the other day with my friend about uh, Goldeneye 007, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, the the first Pierce Brosnan Bond movie, and you know it it is tried to have the fallen member of the order, right? But Alec Trevelyan was such a cool character. He you was, know, yeah. You know, yeah. So was, you know, so is Vader. So is you know all these characters who have fallen from grace, and that's and the Silver Flame has just given us that you know on a, on a silver platter, as it were, you know, and said, <laughs> hey, hey, tough. Yeah, <laughs> take that, joke tellers. But, so one no, of I the great. one of the greatest enemies of the Silver Flame is the Lords of Dust. Now, this is a secret organization of Rakshasas and other fiends whose aim and goals is to release the imprisoned demons in order to achieve personal power. Now, this organization rarely moves openly, but over the centuries there have been many clashes between the agents of the flame and the and this group and, and so you know that is very much you know I, I i do appreciate you know the the evil organization that is evil just for the sake of being evil uh but i i'm more interested in the the enemy within the church that to me is more interesting but that yeah you, you do have to have you know you do have to have your skeletors and your cobra commanders you know running around well, you know, as, and as as cool as it is to watch uh, Captain America and Captain America Winter Soldier like take down um, corrupt government officials, sometimes I just want to watch him punch a member of Hydra. Like that's that's what exactly. I want. I want. I want. No. Yeah, yeah. Like blatant evil. That that guy who with the uh, with the Hydra symbol. Um, yeah, punch punch him. Don't feel bad about it either. Just do it. Just do it. So just do it. The Silver Flame is a religion of extremes when it comes to houses of worship, and you mentioned this earlier in passing. So while any, nearly any structure or room can serve as a shrine to the flame, all that is, all that's required is a spot for a fire, preferably tinted with some silver burn. Uh, all that's needed is a, is a fire to, that's sufficient to light the entire space. You know, this symbolizes the silver flame offering light to the purified and warding off the darkness. And so most of these shrines are private family affairs, and 
some are the only place to worship within smaller or uh, poorer communities. True temples of the flame, you know, what you would consider a church or a cathedral, are another matter entirely. And this is what you were talking about, these sort of like uh, you know, uh, Baroque, uh, Gothic, huge cathedrals uh, that are audacious for simply it seems for the sake of being audacious yeah <laughs> hey look at me <laughs> and and to me this is to me this is where the uh the allusions to christianity are and catholicism are that's really to me where it hammered home because you know you have the in christianity the, uh, the early church very much taking place within the homes of the members and then you have uh like in rome in the vatican these enormous cathedrals that you know it's you would think a king lived there too, a couple of kings you know <laughs> as, as 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 big as they are i'm thinking sorry i'm thinking about a couple of kings like there's they have a timeshare going on <laughs> right yeah i mean like you know they they share this space it's that big it's just, it, and that's it's yeah i mean it's it's very clear um during that, that when they created this setting that, that that the church of silver flame was kind of a in-world analogy for for you know um you know the very real catholic and again i think that's part of really what drew me into it you know because it helped give everyone that kind of more i, I want to say modern like i'm well aware that these cathedrals are not modern right um but but it feels modern because these are things that i see now and things exactly, that i am yeah. very familiar with yeah and it's it's a smart move on their part no I, I wholeheartedly agree uh churches are constructed of stone and while they require no prescribed number of stories the first floor itself almost always has abnormally high ceilings uh, all flame churches feature enormous arches, peaks, open spaces, uh, graceful flying buttresses, uh, and what is known as the Flamic style. Uh, many have stained glass with silver filigree, and the main sanctuary has a mosaic floor with a representation of the flame in the very center. And then a real flame burns in the middle of the mosaic um, or in a brazier hanging from the ceiling above. These flames are tinted with silver burn and are never allowed to go out. Uh, whites and silvers are primarily the colors that they decorate in. Uh, those are sometimes augmented with uh, deep blue in times of mourning and red and gold in times of active war. Now, the greatest house of worship of, of all of them is the Cathedral of the Silver Flame uh, or just simply the Grand Cathedral and that is in Flamekeep. The cathedral, which is formerly a castle, has grown to the size of a town and is entirely self-sufficient. Uh, it is as defensible as any fortress and contains uh, artisans, soldiers, and even oh. a few large gardens, as well as its various uh, sanctuaries, libraries and of course the chamber of the flame so even if it's cut off completely from the outside world it's several hundred inhabitants can maintain a reasonable quality of life for several months which is wild to me like i you have you you, you got it like that that you don't actually have to like go anywhere for a couple of months you could like lock it down for half a year and be good to go I, I actually, real quick, I think I'm losing you. Can you hear me talking right now? Yeah. I, I, okay. I, I said that I had a, 
uh, my internet connection kind of got a little wonky, but if uh, okay. so if it cut sure. me out at all, I'll just have to re-record it later. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, the um, so we were talking about the. Forgive me, I'm trying to reorient myself. My my brain started to panic. Uh, the uh, the cathedral, the silver flame. It's as big as a castle. It's essentially a small town unto itself. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and and if I'm not mistaken, it's at the site where they actually binded, um, bound the demon, right? Um, yeah, it's supposed to be like underneath Flame Keep. Well, and if I, I've seen a picture of, I, I want to say it's in the fifth edition one, but it actually shows like that mosaic floor with, um, with the flame like coming up right through the middle of that floor while they all overlook it from these giant balconies. I think, mm-hmm. I, I think I'm remembering this correctly, and it's, uh, I, I think it's neat because if it's the implication seemed to be that it's not only at the site of where uh, Belshalor was taken down, but that's literally the flame that's holding Belshalor in. Like we're just seeing the very tippy top of it. Right. right, right. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, the neighborhoods surrounding the cathedral never experience true darkness. And that's in, due to in part to the great fire burning nonstop atop the cathedral. This flame is tended constantly uh, magically protected from the from rain, wind, other elements, and never allowed to burn out. It burns directly above the chamber of the flame, creating the illusion that the silver flame itself rises through the ceiling into the night sky, illuminating the city. It does not always burn silver, though. When the key, and this is another, I, I feel like, pretty easy illusion allegory reference to Catholicism. Uh, when the keeper of the flame dies, it is treated with an alchemical substance that causes it to burn the deep blue of morning, oh, and yeah, it remains <laughs> and it remains thus until the silver flame calls a new keeper and the diet of cardinals confirms his or her appointment. So again, when a uh, the Catholic Church when the Pope dies and they're selecting a new Pope, if they haven't selected one, the black smoke will come out, and once they finally do select a new Pope, you know, the white smoke. I think blue would have been a lot cooler. I'm just throwing that out there. Oh no, I think yeah. I mean, I feel that they uh, they did that they um, due to um, what they had at the time. They're like, well, we can we could do black and white, not really much else. I th- I feel like if they could modernize it, they'd probably like do some uh, maybe some gold even. You know, some blue would be nice. <laughs> you know, they had. I I now I'm just imagining the scene where you have a. Uh... You know, these smoke peddlers like, well, we've got black and we've got white. We also have a nice magenta. And they're like, we're not doing the magenta. We keep telling you no on the magenta. <laughs> I don't know. The magenta seems pretty great, eh? Right? Like, quit trying to sell us on the magenta. <laughs> He's like, one day I'll get you. Wow, somebody will get this. <laughs> so it's only then that uh, a new keeper is confirmed that the fire atop the cathedral returns the silver signaling to all that a new keeper rules from flame keep wonderful and we will take a quick break go to the middle of the show and when we come back we're going to discuss uh, several of the i guess uh, most tumultuous times within the church of the silver flame some of the uh, some of the most um you'll see you'll see exactly what we're talking about you'll all see <laughs> This
this is the middle of the show. Of course, if you're a longtime listener to the D&D Lorecast, or if you've only listened to a couple of episodes, you know that the middle of the show is where we do all the middly things. And if this is your first time, well, then I've just explained exactly what this part of the show is. Uh, yeah, the middly show, the middle part of the show is where we uh, thank our listeners, is where we discuss recent D&D news, and also try to see what kind of homebrew shenanigans we can get into. So first and foremost, thank you so much to everyone listening. Thank you for supporting the show. If you want to support the show in other ways beyond just listening to it, you can definitely follow us on all the different social medias uh, pretty much everywhere. We are at DND Lorecast. Your Instagrams, your TikToks, your Twitches, X, Blue Sky, uh, all all the different ones. Uh, no no live journal yet. No live journal or Zanga yet. But we are definitely working hard behind the scenes to get those up and running for 2024. Um, but beyond that, uh, yeah, like I said, we were pretty much everywhere else at DND Lorecast, and you can also join the Discord. Discord is on and popping almost 24 seven. We've got Lorecast fans around the world, so you know. Regardless of the time of day, wherever you are, you will probably have someone to talk to on the Discord and links to all of these. We've got a link tree page that has links to all this, and we got a link to that in the show notes, but, but links to all of it in the show notes. Definitely check that out. So thank you so much to the listeners uh, and special shout out to the patrons of the show over at patreon.com slash DND Lorecast, uh, especially our newest patron, Max. Thank you so much for joining the Patreon. Max gets uh, access to all of the 60 plus legacy episodes that Tom and Stuart did at the at the, uh, at the beginning, the origins of the D&D Lorecast. By joining the Patreon, you can also get early ad-free episodes. You can get bonus content, one bonus episode a month, plus two Patron Plus installments a month. You can get free merchandise. You can get invitations to our quarterly Patron roundtables or our monthly actual play games, the Tales from the Tower, which will debut next week. The first episode debuts next week. Very exciting. You also get all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, if you are interested in supporting the show in that way, like I said, patreon.com slash dnd lorecast as far as dnd news goes not a whole lot i did come across an article where a 30-year campaign came to an end a campaign that started in 1993 uh, all the players had reached level 20 uh, and it ends in a very devastating fashion uh, i'll link to the article from gamer rant uh, or gamerant.com but it's uh it's it's fun. I mean, this is the sort of campaign that most of us only aspire to. So it's a very fun read. Check that out. As ter in terms of other stuff, uh, there's a Dungeons and Dragons has an MMO. I'm I'm not sure if that many people know about it. I'm not sure if um if beyond Baldur's Gate three, if most people are interested in playing a D and D video game. But yeah, D and D online exists and. This is the year of the dragon, 2024. And so the devs behind Dungeons and Dragons Online are promising something cool, something awesome every month in 2024. Uh, there's a link to that article as well in the show notes. Um, definitely check it out. I mean, I would be interested in maybe running around in an MMO, D&D &D MMO, and playing with some of y'all. Like, why not? I've just got a brand new PC rig that's been built. Uh, let's why not give it a whirl with some D&D &D online? Why not? 
And in terms of homebrew shenanigans, we are talking about the Church of the Silver Flame this week. So I found from Brian Hamilton, the Silver Flame of Eston. So Pyre, the Flame of Eston, was once known as Kyre's greatest church dedicated to the Silver Flame, standing like a fortress over a dark entrance into the underground realm of Kyber. The church protected some of the most vile artifacts ever to be recovered from the millions, from the minions of the Dalkir. Unfortunately, like everything else in Kyre, the church was destroyed on the day of mourning, and while the divine wards of the church's vaults remain intact, they are left undefended from the machinations of the Dalkir. Now the Church of the Silver Flame has called upon the Diggers' Union to assist them in the recovery of the dangerous artifacts contained within Pyre's vaults. Along the way, old friends and new ones will assist the adventurers as they fight their way past living spells and terrifying aberrations known as the Grell. So this is a fun adventure. If you are interested in getting a taste of the Eberron campaign setting, if you have never delved into it, if you want to see what it's all about, this would be a good introduction. And it's only $2.99 for the adventure. So definitely check it out. We have a link to it in the show notes. The Silver Flame of Eston. It is a one shot, a four hour ish uh, adventure for levels six through 10. So check it out. And let's jump back to the show. Welcome back. I am with this FNGM, and we're talking Eberron. More specifically, we're talking Church of the Silver Flame. And if you are like us, you are just munching on this lore. This is some good stuff. I I am loving it. It's uh, I I talk about Eberron as often as I can, and be able to do it to where now other people have to hear me uh, is delightful. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole reason I I do the show. Is like I'm going to be talking about D and D regardless. You know, now I get to talk to other people. They have to, they listen to me. They, they ask questions about it. I mean, it's, it's my dream. Oh, it, that's, it, it's, it's much better than trying to, trying to do this to like my, my poor friends who don't play nearly as much Dungeons Dragons as I do, where they just start to, you know, ask me, Hey, Will, can we, can we please talk about something else? That's the no. beauty of this conversation. It's like, no, that's, that's all we're doing right that's, now, buddy. That's it. That is, that's... it is my entire personality. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, I, um, my, uh, my other co-host, uh, Sean, we've been, you know, best friends since high school and, uh, he, he very much enjoys D and D he's, he plays all the time. Uh, he dove deep into Baldur's Gate three. He was obsessed with that for a good while. Um, but that's pretty much the extent of it. You know, and then he also enjoys other things. I, on the other hand, you know, took the road less traveled. And like I said, have made it my entire personality. That's I. I'm right there with you. Is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) So we're going to spend the second half of the show talking about some of the uh, most tumultuous times within the Church of the Silver Flame. The first of which we're going to talk about is what's known as the Time of Two Keepers. So in 497 YK, Melissa Moran challenged the Keeper of the Flame for control of the Church. Born a peasant, Melissa claimed that she had been visited by Tira Moran, the voice of the Silver Flame. And the paladin revealed that Melissa was her direct descendant and the rightful keeper. 
She uh, challenged many of the existing doctrines of the church, claiming it had strayed from the proper path. Uh, initially, divination magic failed to prove or disprove her story, but eventually the truth was revealed. And the truth was this. Melissa was the chosen hand of the shadow in the flame, who was the demon lord bound beneath flame keep. Now, if we are going with what is traditionally accepted as as in the dogma, in the canon of the church, there is, you know, the the the, the silver flame, Tiramaran, and the demon are all bound together. And the demon is that that small impurity that you were talking about earlier, that shadow in the flame. Melissa Which, and her, real, oh, yeah. I was gonna say what an um what an evocative name, real quick. It's not the shadow outside the flame. It's not the shadow near the flame. It's the shadow in the flame. I love that name so much. I oh, I, yeah. I just wanted to say that, like the shadow in the flame. I mean it. It implies that you know it's it exists within this this good you know force this good entity this good god whatever you want to describe it as it exists within it it's not adjacent it's not something that the silver flame that the good flame has to deal with you know at arm's length this shadow this impurity this demon lord is within it, it is it is encased within it and and it is it is, it is a part of it and yeah like you said it's it's so evocative it's so awesome the mental image i have uh is of lavistus um the one of the lords of the nine hells right the one who's like trapped inside that big block of ice right and you, you look at this gigantic blue pillar of ice um in the nine hells and you just see this, this little shadow this little figure kind of deep 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 within right you can't really see details but you know like the greatest darkness is deep within there and i it's it's kind of like that but you know, flames instead of ice. So it's, it's totally fire. different. Yeah, fire. <laughs> so Melissa and her followers were brought to justice after a brief but bloody conflict. Uh, but the Council of Cardinals chose not to kill as church diviners. Divin, uh, how do you say that? Diviners? Diviners? Is it diviners? Divi I that's I I have no idea. I I uh it, it's a uh, what is it um that line from Pirates of the Caribbean? It's a mythological creature. Calls it what I like. You know that's <laughs> not a real job, diviner. So I'll call it, I'll pronounce it however I feel like. It's one of those words that like, I was doing the research. I just like read over. I'm like I know what that word is, and then I'm like reading it out loud. I'm like I don't know. Oh, that's uh, I I was so happy you were the first to pronounce coadal because I do not know how that word should be pronounced. I'm like, oh, please, you say it first. You say it first. Uh, and it is diviners, so there we go. Oh, sweet. I feel, I feel, I feel, I, I feel validated. You're doing the Captain Holt vindication. <laughs> Melissa and her followers were brought to justice after a brief but bloody conflict. And what's interesting is the Council of Cardinals chose not to kill as church diviners believed if she was slain, the dark voice would then go and simply find a new agent. So what? instead, which I mean, it's, I mean, I could understand, like, I mean, I, perhaps like they don't know how, you know, w what they're dealing with when it comes to the demon lord. They don't know 
what kind of tactics it'll take. I mean, for all they, for I mean, I read that and I was like, well, why, why would it stop that? What stop the demon lord from finding a new agent anyway? Like, okay, well, well you for, failed. Let me try someone else. For me, I see it as like the most meta lore ever. It's like it's like these the the you know like the 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 members of the Council of Cardinals here absolutely knew the DM shenanigans, right? And they just turned around and said, "Oh no 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 no, you're gonna do that thing where you let the spirit hop to somebody else." Oh. What if we just <laughs> left her alive forever? It's like, oh, you got me. You got me this time, guys. The DM's like, oh, dang it. All right. Yeah, it's it, it's the it's the church of meta in my I, mind right there. I, you know what? That's that's my new headcanon. I agree with that now. So <laughs> instead of killing uh the 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 usurper, the 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 fake keeper, she was sent to the stone ward of the Dreadhold prison, there to remain for eternity. Melissa was, has been held in Dreadhold for over five centuries now and has never been revived because as a skilled uh, orator and experienced cleric on her own, you know, you would think like that could be dangerous speaking to other prisoners. Uh, but within the confines of Flamekeep, she gains access to the power of her dark lord, making her extremely dangerous. The church, meanwhile, has stricken all mention of her from their records, and only the highest-ranking clergy know of her existence. Okay, a point on that, right? So, um, Jala Darem, uh, Dron, um, J- Jara, da- wow, how did I just start? I completely forgot how to pronounce her name. Uh, and and J- we've made this point several times. All of these names are made up. And it's you can pronounce up. them however you want. Teenage Pope. I'll just say Teenage Pope, right? So Teenage <laughs> teen Pope, Pope is like yeah, te- Teen Pope, right? The, the <laughs> new, <laughs> the new uh, t- Disney Plus. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, it's like Teen Pope, right? It's like a level twenty cleric, right? But only um, statistically, she's only a level twenty cleric when within the walls of the cathedral. And she walks out. She's like a level three acolyte or something, right? You know. And it's interesting that uh, that the 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 evil keeper. Um, I, I'm trying to think of a clever word for evil keeper, like, but I can't. I can't think of something. I'm sure I'll come up with something two weeks from now, and then you know, screaming into the night. Send, but, send me a random uh, yeah. Twitter mention. <laughs> but it's a, uh, it's it's interesting that that she functions under this those same exact rules right when right. she's inside the cathedral she is this uber power level 20 clerk and you know you know that there's got to be a campaign out there that just culminates with uh you know uh, uh teen pope and uh an evil keeper finding it out in the the arched halls of this cathedral i can already see that being a wonderful way to i wouldn't say in the campaign because that kind of sounds like npcs duking it out so the players just have to sit there and watch but yeah, it'd be cool. I mean, like it, it, it gives me, it reminds me a lot of uh, Elder Scrolls Four: Oblivion, where you know, um, the the uh, I mean, essentially, like they're like you said, it's like two giant NPCs battling it out while you're just kind of sitting there. You're doing other stuff. You're kind of, I guess, sort of running interference. But uh, but yeah, no, yeah, I, I know what you mean, and. It, there would have to be um, something that the that the player the campaign party would have to would would do while this is going on or or incorporate some them somehow into the fight. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they make a make it into like a Zord sort of thing, like a like the Power Rangers and combine into like a Megazord and they all control like control a leg or an arm or a, <laughs> the, whatever. Maybe various 
various wings of the church attaches together to create a, a giant construct uh, imbued yeah. with the power of silver flame. A giant warforged. Yeah, why not? Well, you know, if I were to ever write this adventure, what, what we would do, I'm saying we now, now we're writing it together. Um, what we would do is we'd give the DM a tracker and every single time that uh, the a, the players forget to bring soda or snacks for the group, they get a little tick mark. And then once you get to that scene, uh, however many tick marks is how, uh, you know, the, the less tick marks they have, the more they get to be involved in the actual fight. If they never <laughs> bring snacks, then no, it's going to be yeah. you talking for two straight hours while they just sit there and watch now yeah you're you're uh you get knocked out uh early on and you you come to and either the world has been saved or the world is now uh shrouded in darkness just bilbo baggins them all from the end of the hobbit just (laughs) no come on you wake up battle's over good job (laughs) one thing i will i will mention to the to the dear listeners of the podcast uh this dreadhold prison is absolutely amazing and it will definitely be the subject of a future episode (laughs) Oh, it's super cool. There's there's a lot of uh um uh interesting people that may or may not a wink be you know hiding inside, including a certain king maybe that may be missing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not gonna spoil it. It's very yeah. It's very cool. Very very cool. Uh, the second period that we'll discuss, the second tumultuous period within the church that we'll discuss, is Joliana's Crusade. So by 400 YK, the Church of the Silver Flame was the dominant religion. In Thrain, the sovereign host, accepting of most faiths, saw the silver flame as just another expression of the divine pantheon on Eberron. The silver flame, on the other hand, tolerated the host, but had little love for faiths that didn't accept the cleansing light of the silver flame. And oh, I love that dy- I love that dynamic. Yeah, like the sovereign face is like, okay, the sovereign host is like, okay, like we're cool with you. Y'all, y'all seem all right. And the silver flame's like, ah, we don't like y'all at all. Well, I, I and one of my favorite uh, points of order on this is that um, Tira Mor- Moron, the the paladin that actually like you know bound with the flame in the first place to fight off Belshazzar, was a paladin of a member of the Sovereign Host. She was a paladin of Dal Ara, the goddess of just combat and the sun. So you'd think there'd be a lot of connections there, but I I kind of like that these silver flames sort of uh, turned around and said, hmm. You're the old faith, right? Right, right. Well, they're like, oh, that she was just slumming it then. <laughs> then she joined up with a real faith. She traded up. <laughs> so over the centuries, the kings and queens of Galifar and their sons and daughters who govern the Thrain realm have had a mixed relationship with the faith of the Silver Flame. And as the Thrain people began to turn to this faith in droves, the royal family was forced to accept the Church of the Silver Flame as a force within the kingdom. Early on, they tried to restrict it to Thrain, but the faithful were zealous, and missionaries soon appeared to bring word of the Silver Flame to the rest of the continent. More than one scion over the centuries while governing in Thrain adopted the faith, and one particularly dark episode occurred in 558 YK, when Queen Juliana reached the throne after having served as Thrain's regent. She was a devoted follower of the Silver Flame and decided that under her rule, all of Galifar would accept the Silver Flame as the one true religion. Huh. Again, like very much illusions and uh, inspired by reality. 
this sort of, you know, religious fanaticism, like this is, this is what I believe. So this is what everyone should believe. You know, this is a, the one true religion of good and, and, and being kind and, and by the sword, I will make you believe it too. Classic, classic trope, (laughs) classic, totally fiction trope. (laughs) And I love, how this all ends that, you know, it's a few bloody clashes almost led to civil war, civil war before Juliana dies suddenly and mysteriously before the second year of her reign had ended. So the people of Gallifor did not tolerate that for very long. It turns out. I mean, I, I mean, suddenly and mysteriously, I, 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 and it talked about the enemy within the church, the corruption and all that. I mean, this has to be, you know, an inside job. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. You know the 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 well. I, I if we go with kind of that idea that um, the deities or divine powers of Dungeons and Dragons are uh, even more empowered the more faithful there are. You know, if she was too successful, then the you know if we go if we look at that silver flame with the shadow in it as kind of an inter- eternal struggle between these two forces. Well, if there's too much power coming to the flame side, then maybe the shadow would have got burnt out altogether and so you know uh maybe uh high cardinal crozan's uh former uh I, what do you, what would you call it? the one predecessor that's the word predecessor they've stepped forward and uh you know little knife in the back little knife in the back action yeah i mean for for the for the greater good for the greater good right you know or actually it could be the opposite too right maybe she is uh, maybe 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 her uh, her tyrannical religious fanaticism was a represent was a representative of the shadow and the flame right like trying to spread all this and instead you have like you know lawful good paladin assassin stepping in going look the right thing to do is just to murder this queen in her sleep sorry guys but I mean, it, it just yeah. has to be done that's that does seem like uh paladin rationale by by any stretch of the of the imagination like the good thing to do would be to murder the queen <laughs> Well, it's. Have you ever read the um the story about the the, the idea of the powder keg paladin? Uh, that old meme that was going around for a while. No. So the idea, it's it's. I won't go into the whole thing, but it's basically this like Reddit story. I want to say Reddit. I don't know. It's a story about how um you know whenever a a group has a paladin and and the the group likes to be all torturous and you know kind of murder hoboey and whenever the group does this, the paladin just like walks out of the room, right? The pal- paladin player says that they just leave. Well, at one point they get an enemy that's like way too like like way too evil, and it, they are the next stepping stone to the great evil of the land. And they're trying to, you know, torture the guy or something, you know, extract information. It's not working. And then the paladin just walks back in the room, kicks the person over, you know, in their chair and like leans down and basically says, hey, I don't know if you understand this. Yeah, I don't I don't like to to be aggressive because, you know, a lot of people think it's because I don't want to fall from grace. The thing is, I don't mind falling from grace. I just am going to do it for the right moment. And if you don't give me this information, this will be my moment. This will be the moment (laughs) that I fall because I'm going to get that information right. So it's like, I, I love that story because it's kind of, kind of puts paladins in a different perspective. But in this case, you know, it's like, we must assassinate. It's like, yeah, that one paladin's like, yeah, absolutely. I will fall from grace if it keeps this this queen from doing this anymore. And I yeah, would- from, I, from committing what we perceive as an evil. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, I, I, I love that image in my mind. That's going to be my headcanon now is uh, a strike team of paladins. <laughs> Seal team paladin. Yeah. <laughs> 
uh, or Paladin Team Six. I, I'm going to go with Paladin Team Six. Uh, so the next tumultuous period, and really a tumultuous period throughout the entire Corvair continent, is the Last War. So King Jarrod dies, and the Scions, the the heirs, the potential heirs, all broke with tradition and started the Last War. Prince Thalen, the eldest son, saw another opportunity to spread the Silver Flame to the entire kingdom. Now, while the other scions had more personal or philosophical reasons for refusing to honor the traditional rites of secession, Thalen believed he had a divine right to the crown. This tendency on the part of Thrain to place itself above the rest of the Shattered Kingdom led to some of the most terrible battles of the last war. The bulk of the church's resources in the last war were tied up in the campaigns, uh, the military campaigns, and as a theocracy ruled by the keeper and the cardinals, Thrain fought not only for its own dominance but for that of the Silver Flame. Like they weren't just fighting for themselves; they were fighting for for their religion, for flame and country, right? For exactly, many among Thrain's purified sought victory to unite the five nations, not merely under just one rule, under one king, but under one faith. In 914 YK, with the death of King Thalen, Thrain's people rejected Thalen's heirs' claim to the throne, and then instead just turned to the Church of the Silver Flame itself for leadership. And as a result, Thrain became a theocracy. The so Keeper Queen of the Flame. Pope. Oh. That's when we get uh, Teenage Pope. Yeah. Uh, the Keeper Pope. of the Flame. The head of the Church of the Silver Flame took control of the temporal as well as the spiritual reigns of the nation. And this turn of events has led to tensions that go beyond the nation's borders as the leaders of the remaining five nations see the mingling of church and state as unnatural and potentially dangerous to their own plans and ambitions. I mean, and I could see that if you're the head of a state and you see, and you have a pretty prominent uh, religious organization, and you see Thrain, where, okay, now their prominent religious organization actually rules the country. I can see how you, as a head of state, might be like, oh, I don't want mine to get any crazy ideas. Oh, this is some bad precedence. Could you stop that, dudes? <laughs> like, well, it works for them, but I don't see it work anywhere else. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Well, me- meanwhile, King Caius the Third is like, yeah, look, it's not great when this happens. This is over not there a good look. <laughs> uh, and even today, many of them resent the soldiers of other nations, not for their own political defeat, but because Thrain's victory would have hastened the promised earthly heaven. So it's not even like, oh, like you killed my buddy. Like you're keeping you're keeping the the, the heaven from reaching earth. Oh yeah, it, it, <laughs> yeah. It's it's you know it, it also just kind of kind of. I I, it's always a weird situation to be on when you find that the person facing you on the battlefield is the lawful good paladin right it's like who wants to spend their time questioning themselves like that you know if you're in a if you're playing a game of dnd and your dm drops a paladin coming at you with the sword and you're like okay what are you what are you trying to tell me that i did wrong dm that i just haven't been noticing where where, where did i screw up <laughs> why is a paladin attacking me why why am i the threat i feel like i'm the bad guy now uh, additionally uh the church also used the last war as a way to take advantage 
and to attack enemies that were uninvolved in the political struggle. So, I mean, that's that's also not a good look. Not not the best look now. Uh, moving Templars under the cover of terrain troops or using battles as diversions, it launched assaults on temples. Well, I th- I think that's uh one of the uh, kind of one of the big things about the last war, right? You know, you have you have Karnath who um who turned to necromancy right during the war, and they as they one also. Does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Obviously, right. I mean, hey, the bodies are just there. Am I right? Um, I mean, let's let's not pretend like if we didn't he have that said kind of magic to the judge in his defense. <laughs> well, you know, so you have you have you know the the uh, the the army you know filled with uh with intelligent zombies and um and skeletons because they became not not quite a theocracy during the last war, but Karnath got pretty close under the blood of Vol. And, you know, so of course you have Thrain, you know, with their paladins and their radiant magic and such, you know, just, just battling it out. You know, it, it's, uh, I can absolutely see, you know, as as Thrain was marching on Ciri or something, they just k- kind of happened to take a little side quest over into Karnath and maybe, maybe burn down a couple of temples of the blood of Vol, you know, while I mean, they're at why it. Why not? Ah, sure. They're, they're right there. When in Rome. When when in Rome, uh, the final period of time that we'll discuss is the Silver Crusade. Oh, the Silver Crusade. Yeah, yep. So yeah. you know, one reason that the Church of the Silver Flame was so effective in and so well prepared for the last war is because it had just essentially finished fighting a war of its own. Many of today's historians, particularly those with a grudge against the Church. Paint the lycanthropic, like lycanthropic, <clears throat> lycanthropic, 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 I am. I. I. That's one. That's that's another one of those words, right? It's like I can read it. I. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> Let me see. Lycanthropic, lycanthropic. Lycanthropic. Oh, cool. Okay. Lycanthropic, all right. Learn something. Paint the lycanthropic purge as a massacre by an autocratic religious institution, mercilessly and needlessly slaughtering thousands of poor souls who were cursed through no fault of their own. The church will say that it was a needed you know, if somewhat um, tragic uh, case, you know, something that had to be done. The truth, as always, is going to be somewhere in the middle, a bit more complex. It typically is, yeah. Typically is. Typically is. So around 800 YK, this lycanthropic curse, at least as it manifested in the western portions of Corvair, somehow changed. Afflicted lycanthropes gained the ability to spread the curse, which was a power that was normally available only to those born with it. But it took a number of years for the Diet of Cardinals to recognize this problem. So within the within the setting of Eberron, within their myth-making, within their world-building, you could only become a lycanthrope if you were bitten by someone who was born a lycanthrope. 
Well, and I think because it, um, you know, this is where kind of the shifters come into play, right? The uh, right. the kind of uh, descent. Well, and depending on who you ask, right? Either the shifters are either descended from lycanthropes or lycanthropes are cursed members of their own race, right? Right. Um, and yeah, it, it's which I, I I just I think that's a wonderful little in-world argument. It's like actually we are the ones who came first. Yeah. Right? So like, no, but, you guys are like, uh, you guys are the um the bad batch essentially. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're the problem ones. We're not the watered down ones. You're the problem ones. <laughs> you guys are the off-brand Mountain Dew. Oh, I, I is that, is that a dig? Because I'm drinking Mellow Yellow right now. Mellow Yellow is not. I'm I'm talking about like a, a Mountain Thunder, uh, or like or like uh, off-brand like Dr Pepper, like Dr Thunder. You've got uh, Dr Dazzle, which is my personal neon favorite. Drink. I'm sure somebody will just call it just Neon Drink. Just Neon Drink. The drink. <laughs> uh, so, led by the Pure Flame faction, the Silver Flame embarked on the Lycanthropic Inquisition, or colloquially known as the Purge, in the year 832 YK. Unfortunately, the Inquisitors had no good lycanthropes to study. I, they were pretty rare to begin with. And the ones that they did, they could find had fallen into evil because of the curse. You know, that that fact has always uh, made me laugh really hard because, you know, if you look at the statistics for most lycanthropes, it's typically werebears that are the ones that are like the good ones, the lawful goods. Like, yeah, of course they didn't because who wants to who wants <laughs> to stop and take on a werebear? You know, like, exactly. hey, could you come with us? <laughs> Gigantic like, bear man. Can we like poke and prod you? we're gonna just study you you're cool with that right giant bear man <laughs> we're going to experiment on you and see what makes you tick uh, so the uh, physical similarities between werebeast and uh rakshasas also convinced the templars that pretty much all lycanthropes are evil and because curing uh, lycanthropy was so difficult they just assumed it was impossible and to make matters worse the Keeper of the Flame of that era had an agenda of his own. Keeper Jolin Sol saw an opportunity to influence the Silver Flame in Aundere. He proclaimed that the curse of lycanthropy corrupted the soul itself. This battle was long and brutal, and as the tide slowly turned in favor of the church, Lycanthropes hid among human and shifter communities. Here again, many followers of the flame were overzealous, harming the innocent in their desperate quest to eliminate the remaining shapeshifters. And this, again, allusions and allegories and references and inspirations to reality. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I think I remember reading this, right? And 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 this sort of kind of uh, mirrors the evolution of Eberron over time, right? Because this was a this uh, moment was a very prominent moment that they talked about. It was always associated with the Silver Flame in the earlier books when this right. came out. And as time has gone on, we, you know, we've we've gotten. Uh, it, it seems like the stance has sort of softened a bit. That it wasn't just. Uh, you know, Church of the Silver Flame was totally evil by doing this. You know, things sort of like kind of shifted. And, you know, some people pointed out, like, we're looking at the zombie apocalypse, right? You know, this is that's what this is. It's the zombie apocalypse. You can get one bite and suddenly you're dealing with an entire outbreak. And, you know, as much as you could have clerics running around, you know, casting um, 
uh, what is it? Remove disease or remove curse. That's not a not a low level spell for people who aren't an adventurers, right? So this isn't a resource that they just had at their disposal that easily. So this is a problem, capital P, right? No, yeah, and you know they, you know, and not to make excuses or say anything, but like to or justify the church's behavior, but you know in their mind, they were doing what they felt was the best thing to do. Like you had these, and like, keep in mind, this, this isn't, you know, this, this curse wasn't, you know, just uh, these uh, many lycanthropes were turning evil. Many lycanthropes were performing evil deeds. Like the, the, whatever changed about lycanthropy were that made it to where uh, anyone could, any lycanthrope could pass on uh, the curse to someone else. Whatever, whatever it was that changed that also made them more aggressive, more dangerous in in, in yeah. this sense. And th- yeah, this what yeah, this is um, because the Church of Silver Flame is it is primarily about that supernatural evil, right? The idea is that evil is a very real thing in this world, a force that exists that corrupts, that causes people to do terrible things. So it's not like you know, um, uh, there are many representations of like werewolves and such where where they just kind of want to be left alone, they just want to live their lives. In this particular lore, what's happening to these particular werewolves are it's supernatural evil that's being spread. Really, it's not right. it's not turning into a wolf that's the problem it's turning into a wolf and then eating about 30 townspeople uh that's that's the issue they're trying to solve here no yeah exactly exactly yeah so ultimately house madani produces a dragon shard focus that can detect lycanthropes and then guide the templars to the true foe which heralds the end of the purge and by 880 yk the church of the silver flame withdraws its forces from the eldine reaches and claims that the curse has finally been eliminated. Well, evil's gone. See y'all later. Uh, <laughs> Brushing their hands. Well, call, I, I call, this... call us next uh, evil uh, evil conquest that needs to be taken care of. <laughs> Handing out business cards to Silver Flame for all of your evil destroying <laughs> needs. What? Like, I'm I to hang this... on to this card just in case. I, I read this book a while ago called um, called The Demon in the Freezer. Uh, it's a um, uh, uh, historical account of um of how a team of people in the 1900s eradicated smallpox from the world right and how um how like how, like the steps that they took and it's kind of like this is like supernatural smallpox right it's like we we we, yeah. we don't we, we see it now as like not that big of a deal or or maybe it wasn't uh you know this is just so long ago plus they're just werewolves but it's like at the time it's like whoa no this is smallpox man <laughs> this, is, yeah, this is this is this is a you know this is a pandemic yeah, this is... it's which of course has no real world ramifications uh, uh, now, right? Of course, exactly. Of course not. <laughs> Paladin shows up at your door. You got COVID? Oh no! Oh no! Ah, <laughs> uh, dang it! So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it for the Church of the Silver Flame. At least you know what we're going to discuss. There's so much more to this, and if you want to talk more about Eberron, if you want to learn more about Eberron. Uh, join us on Discord. Start asking questions. We got tons of folk on there that uh, are much like ourselves that will just love talking about D and D. But uh, Will, what cool stuff? Uh, where can people find you? What cool stuff are you getting into? What 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 can you tell us about yourself? Oh yeah, uh, well you know I, I spend a lot of time on Twitter, as it's mentioned. Uh, probably way too much time. Um, 
chronically online or, or terminally online. I forgot what the what the term is the kids use now. Um, I also uh, who cares what those kids say? Yeah, yeah, whatever they, they the kids. Um, I Oof. also have a uh, YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm just raising my fist to the sky, children. <laughs> Uh, I also have a YouTube channel uh, where I do, uh, you know, I got the the Wanna Be a Better Dungeon Master series I'm kind of working on, and I uh, I've got some reviews that I put out. I think actually the same day that this comes out, I've also put a review out on my channel for Planescape uh, Adventures in the Multiverse because I also <laughs> love talking about Planescape. Uh, so you can find me on YouTube, you can find me on Twitter. I also have an Etsy store, but I don't really talk about that one as much because that's really more of a visual thing. It's like here, see these buildings. No, we're on a podcast. Will don't don't do that well yeah you uh you build and sell terrains for uh for maps and stuff which is um i mean it's it's something that i've wanted to get into i just don't have the time for it and so for someone like myself who would love to have physical terrains buildings and stuff like that for their maps for their games for their adventures for their campaigns uh but don't have the time to produce them themselves you fill in the gap you fill the void you're like hey you can you can purchase these Oh my goodness! You just—you made me sound useful for a second there. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, mom. I knew this would get. I knew this would be fine. I knew this would work out for me someday. <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll have links to all of your stuff in the show notes. And yeah, thank you so much for joining us. And you're welcome back to the tower anytime. Oh, I deeply appreciate you inviting me. Thank you so much. It's been been been, been an honor, if I may say. So. Oh, it's yeah. It's it's been a it's been a huge blast. I I mean, like I said, I, I love talking uh D with uh, just about anyone but someone who can reciprocate the uh the enthusiasm and that just rolls their eyes at me like oh my god this guy again will you just please just shut up <laughs> uh, it's always it's always a good it's always a boon i i saved my eye rolling for the dark sun fans did i did i say something controversial there did i is that I, too much that i'm i'm i love dark sun so much oh oh well this was fun uh <laughs> wonderful meeting you and uh goodbye forever <laughs> Well, thank you so much for listening, dear listener. Uh, We thank you for letting us be a part of your life for this short amount of time. We hope that you uh, continue to listen, and we will be back next week with some more lore. And until then, until we meet again, dear listener, fare thee well, and may all your 20s be natural. Thank you for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, consider following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at D&D Lorecast or jumping into the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons and Dragons. We'll see you soon. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net